I am so excited to be here this morning. And uh, every time I get an opportunity to preach, preach the word, I am extremely humbled. Um, it is so much fun talking about Jesus because Jesus changed my life. Like, I'm serious. Like, there's a lot of good things out there in the world. There's the, in, I, that sounded weird. There are some good things in the world. There's some answers to problems. There's some fun things out there. But I'll tell you what, nothing is like Jesus. Like, nothing changes your life like Jesus. Nothing brings you joy and peace. And, and it just, there's nothing like Jesus, right? So it's like when you talk about Jesus, the power's in him and not in my words, but it's in his words. And it's guaranteed to come back and do something really special. Amen? So it's so much fun to talk about Jesus. And, uh, and I just believe he's going to touch your life today. Um, if you're new in this place, holy smokes, that is bright. Let's see. It, can you guys see that? Or is that like an angel? Is that like an angel? Is that like, ah, Jesus. I'm sorry. Lightning is going to strike in this place. Um, but uh, if you're new in this place, I just want you to know you're welcome here. We love you just like you are. Uh, Pastor Jesse and, and Lauren have built a, an atmosphere on, uh, and a foundation on grace and truth. That, that this is a place of grace, that Jesus gives grace, that, that you can come in here just like you are, no matter what's messed up in your life, no matter what you did yesterday, this morning, last week, whatever your life has been, you can come in this place and feel welcome. Amen? Aren't you glad that you walked in a place, maybe this place for the very first time, one, at one point, and you felt welcome? And people loved you, just like you were, right? That's what Jesus does. But we also preach truth. So if you just stay in your sin, you know that you're lost. Like people in the world know that what's going on out there in the world doesn't work. Amen? There's pain and hurt and, and sorrow. It's just, it's, it's not going anywhere. So we're going to preach truth so that Jesus will set you free. Amen? So this is a place of grace and truth. So we're just really, really glad you're here. Um, and we believe that God is going to change your life. If you continue to come to church, it's impossible not to get changed or not to be blessed. Amen. Caitlin, you got it this morning, girl. Anybody else agree with that? Amen. Come on. So we're going to read our first scripture this morning, and then you can high-five your neighbor. But uh, check this out in John 11, 5 through 6. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So... When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's an encouraging word, isn't it? You can high-five your neighbor and take a seat. We are going to talk about God's timing this morning. And uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, you and, and your experience with God, but, but my experience with God is that his timing and my timing seldom match up. Right? Isn't that annoying? Like, we're going we're gonna to jump into the scripture we just read and a few more about the story of Lazarus in a moment. But, but just even that little bit right there, right? It's like, Jesus loved them. The scripture says that he loved these three. He loved the sisters and Laz. And, and he loved them. And he loves you and he loves me, right? He heard that he was sick and he stayed where he was longer. What the heck? Right? Like, that's, that's almost kind of rude, isn't it? Like, Steve, if I'm sick and, and, I, and I call you, you're a friend of mine, right? You're a brother, right? You love me? Okay, so I'm sick and I got the flu and I need somebody to bring me some chicken soup and some Sprite. Because who doesn't eat chicken soup and Sprite when they're sick, right? 
And so I call Steve, my brother, and say, man, can you bring me some chicken soup and Sprite? And you're like, yeah, in two days. I'm going to be like, what? That doesn't help me, right? I'm not going to think that you're my friend much longer. I mean, I know you love me, but why, right? And, and God does this, and sometimes... You know, usually, usually my experience has been that God's timing is longer than what I want it to be, right? Sometimes it's sooner. Um, if you talk to Gideon, Gideon would probably say that God asked him to do something sooner than he was ready, right? Gideon's in there treading the, the grain in this wine press, hiding out, and God says, hey, or an angel says, hey, mighty man of valor, let's go do something special. And he's like, wait, what? Like me? And God does some special stuff, right? Esther, I think, would probably be in that category, too, where she would say, like, are you sure we want to do this now? Like, is now the right time to do this? Like, maybe it's a little soon, right? So sometimes God will ask you to do things sooner than you're ready. But oftentimes, as in this story, we're ready to go, and we think God should show up right now, and he delays. You know, when we were, uh, when we were first married, Mindy and I, my wife, beautiful Mindy, is over here. Woo, yeah, come on, give her a woo. There you go. Um, we were newly married, and we wanted to start a family. So we did the things necessary to start a family, which was awesome, right? The, come on, lighten up a little bit. Like, the Bible says, be fruitful and multiply, right? We're married. It's a good thing. So we're doing all the things necessary to start a family. And, uh, and it was good. It was great. And, um, and, but we, didn't, we couldn't get pregnant. And it wasn't like years, but it was months. And some of you have struggled with this, right? And you know what I'm saying. Like, it, it's a really frustrating thing. And, and, uh, um, but it had been months, and, and we had tried and tried and tried, and um, to no avail. And uh, I remember it just vividly. We, uh, she took a pregnancy test. We thought maybe this time it was going to be positive. She took it. She came out. She was in tears, came out of the bathroom. It, it, back in those days, it had a line that would show up, Right? I don't know what they do now. They probably talk to you and, and give you like confetti and blow up and like, you're pregnant, you know, congratulations. But we had to look closely for a line. And so she looked and looked and there was no line. She came out. I remember sitting on the front step. Uh, we lived in a little duplex and we were both crying and just praying. And we just completely surrendered it to God. It was just a moment where we said, I remember praying, God, um, we want to have a family. We believe it's your will that we have a family. But if, if you don't give us children, you know, we'll adopt, we'll do something. And we just prayed and just surrendered it to him, right? And uh, just totally gave it to him. And I remember then we went for a jog, went for a run around town. And because that's what you do when you find out you're not pregnant, you go run, I guess. And we came back. She went in to use the restroom and she comes out and goes, there's a, there's a line. There's, there's a line. And it was faint. It was very faint. But she's like, I want to go get another test. So you do what you do when you live in a small town. You don't have any stores. I have pregnancy tests. You go to Walmart. And she went in the Walmart bathroom and found out we were pregnant in the Walmart bathroom. No, I'm kidding. She didn't do it in the Walmart bathroom. <laughs> Mindy says, do not tell that because it's not true. We took it. We drove home, found out we're pregnant. We have a 24-year-old, 22-year-old, and a 13-year-old. Um, but from the very beginning, because we, we had shortly before that given our lives to Christ, and it was just a little bit of a, a lesson to us in God's timing. That, that my timing would have been much sooner than that. That I felt like, God, we're ready. We want this. Let's go. And what God wanted was us to surrender it to him. Amen? Anyone else relate today? God used this early on, you know, to teach us this lesson in so many other sense. You know, I could tell you story upon story upon story 
or I felt like God put something in my heart, um, gave me a promise, or or spoke to me, or said something, or even even in a even in a really tough time in my life, where I'm like, God, where are you? And He showed up, but just not quite in the time I wanted Him to. Amen. His timing is not your timing. So when we look at this this verse again in five and six, it says, "Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus." So. Like, because he loved them, he stayed away two days longer. What the heck? You know, we know that Lazarus was his friend and he was sick, and Jesus intentionally, intentionally delayed his response. Does this remind anyone that has a family of trying to leave the house on time? Yeah, come on, it's okay. The husband's in here like, oh man, come on, this is loaded. But you know, we'll agree to leave the house at like 8 a.m. Like, let's leave at 8 a.m. Okay, 8 a.m. Everybody good? We'll leave at 8 a.m. And it's 8 a.m. And, and, and Rob's in the truck because we said we we're going to leave at 8 a.m. Right? Anybody else relate? Sometimes, now, men, be careful because sometimes it's you. Right? Some, it's not always the woman. Sometimes it's you. But it's like God's timing in this had to be so frustrating because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that if you, if you love me, if you care about what's going on in my life, then you'll respond right now, right? You'll show up. God, where are you? It's confusing. We have to get a hold of this. God's timing is different than ours. He sees the big picture when we do not. Just because he isn't responding the way you think he should doesn't mean he doesn't care. He just may have a bigger plan in mind. Don't ever confuse his lack of responding the way you think he should with remaining confident that he hears your cry, sees your situation, and he will show up. You see, our faith grows, listen, our faith grows and our flesh dies in the waiting. I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that like a couple more times because somebody's got to get a hold of this. This is, this is, this is true spiritual stuff here, like this is not worldly things. This is godly things. This, this applies to your life and my life, that our faith grows, our faith grows, and our flesh dies in the waiting. Our faith grows, and our flesh dies in the waiting. And this whole process that we're going through serving Christ is that we're supposed to become more like Christ day by day. Well, to become more like Christ day by day, it means our flesh has to die more day by day. And I don't know about y'all, but my flesh puts up a fight. It's probably just me, but my flesh puts up a fight. But listen, when he delays, it's like, God, I don't, I don't have the answers. I can't do this. Lazarus is, is ill. He's really ill, and he's going to die. We're going to see, like, Lazarus dies, and Jesus stays away longer. It makes no sense. Why is he doing this? Because he's trying to show that he's bigger than that. He's bigger than your situation. Somebody believe that this morning? John 11, 17 through 27. Let's read this together. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Everybody say four days. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the, and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. See, when Jesus showed up, it was too late. It was too late. Jesus missed the boat. Steve didn't bring me chicken soup. I died. It's too late. Like Jesus, I mean, literally, like it's too late. He's been, in the, he's been in the tomb. It wasn't like he got there just before he died and he did this miracle. Like, he's dead. Like, I don't know about you guys, but there's things in our lives that we think are dead. I mean, do you have a dream that's dead? Do you have a promise from God that's dead? Do you have, like, stuff in your life that you just think will never, will, will never get over that, that that's just a, kind of a dead issue? See, God, God deals with dead things. So he was dead. He was dead four days. And, and Martha says, hey, listen, if you would have been here, if you would have just been here, you could have brought him, you could have saved him, you could have healed him. Like I saw him heal, you know, they saw Jesus heal blind eyes and they saw him do all these miracles. But this thing about being dead in the tomb, it was just too much. It was too big of a faith step for her. Now, I don't understand that, though, because Martha confirmed that she believed that Jesus was the way to eternal life, right? So she says, I believe that you are the way and the truth and like all this stuff, right? Like how many of you believe that Jesus is is your salvation, like you're gonna go to heaven because you believe in Jesus. So by faith, you believe that, right? You believe that Jesus saved your soul. You've got some pretty, pretty big faith because you believe that a virgin 2,000 years ago gave birth. Come on now. You believe that? Yeah, let me say that again. A virgin girl gave birth to a, a God child 2,000 years ago, this Godchild named Jesus lived 33 years, never sinned once, did crazy miracles, prophesied his own death and resurrection. He is crucified on a cross. He goes into a tomb. He's in the tomb. He's dead. He comes back to life. He shows up to a bunch of people, says some cool stuff, and then levitates up through the clouds. You believe that? Then why don't we believe he can bring dead things back to life in our life? No, I'm serious. Like, what's too big for God? Like, so many times you talk to people and they're like, yeah, but this, or yeah, but that. Wait a, wait a minute. You believe in a God that came 2,000 years ago to a virgin girl for you, died on a cross, paid the price for your sins. You believe that for all eternity, that you're going to go to heaven for him because he went to prepare a place for you. But you're telling me the situation you're in right now is too big for him? Somebody, let's, let's like unlock that in our brains this morning. Like, why? Why do we make excuses? Why do we, why do we limit God? Why do we say things like this? That, man, if you'd only been here, hold up. Maybe it's just a matter of timing. Maybe the promise that God's given you, maybe the thing you're going through, maybe the healing you need, maybe the, the, the child you're praying for that needs to come back to Christ, and you're like, man, I don't know, I got doubts, I got doubts. What? Wait a minute. You trust him for your salvation, but you don't trust him to do that? Is somebody getting excited this morning? I mean, honestly, like, we serve a really big God. He said stuff like, greater things you'll do when I leave and send you the Holy Spirit than I did. Anybody? So, so we've got that kind of Jesus, like, available to us today? Come on now. Martha, he, see, he, he's teaching us a lesson. He did this for us too, right? He didn't do this just for Martha. He did this for Rob. He told this story so that Rob would read it someday and go, Whoa, wait a minute. Maybe he's the same. Maybe he can still 
bring back to life dead things in my life. Maybe he can still bring people to Christ that I would thought would never come to Christ. It's never too late. Ever, ever. It's never too late for God. Tell, tell your neighbor it's never too late. But Jesus showed up, and in Martha's eyes, it was too late. A crowd had already gathered to comfort the family, and it's like, they were like, dude, um, thanks for coming, but we've already had the funeral. Like, we, we're, like we're like going to the, you know, like the, the, the banquet now or whatever. We're like going to go, you know, talk about Lazarus's life and what a great man he was. And Jesus is like, you guys don't have a clue. I've got something up my sleeve. But Martha, get this, Martha was maybe even a little frustrated, right, in the way she responded. Like, like if you'd have been here, like, that, I, it's, it's not always healthy to read tone into Scripture. Like, we weren't there, so we don't know if she was, like, like a little bit spicy. But I'm, that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing because Jesus is still a ways off. He's not, even where, he's not even in their village yet. And Jesus is a way off. And do you get the sense he's not in a hurry? <laughs> like, Right? So anyway, she, she knows he's a way off, and so she takes off, and like she gets to him, and her first thing is, if you'd have been here, like, bro, Steve, if you'd have brought the chicken soup, man, but you didn't, you know? That's the way I kind of feel like it was, that Martha's like, Jesus, if you'd have just been here, but now it's too late. Martha's thinking, okay, thanks for the great talk here, Jesus, about resurrection and life, but Laz is still dead. So Martha then goes back to, uh, to the house, and check this out. In, uh, in verses 28 through 34. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she arose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, come and see. You see, Martha went and told Mary something that was a little bit manipulative. And what we have here is, is manipulation or worship. Do you see, do you see this? I don't, I don't know how many times you've read that, but I read it again the other day and it just dawned on me that Martha went back to Mary, her sister, and said, the master's asking for you. The scriptures say that that ever happened? No. So she's trying to manipulate the situation. She doesn't know what's going to happen, but she's thinking, I know that, I know the relationship that, that Mary and Jesus have. I, I know that, that they're close. And Scripture tells us that he loved all three of the, the siblings. However, Martha's trying to manipulate. She's trying to make a deal, basically. Like, hey, listen, uh, the master's asking for you. So maybe if Mary goes, maybe, maybe something will happen. Maybe, maybe something, because it didn't happen when I went there, right? And how many of you have ever tried to make a deal with God? Yeah, come on. Like, God, if you do this, then I'll never do this again. Or, or God, if you'll just go here, if I could just do this, or if this. I remember I had a friend once, uh, shortly after I got saved. He was my best friend at the time. Didn't believe in God at all. And I'm telling him about what God's doing in my life, and how God is real, and he needs to repent, and all these things. And we're sitting in a room, and the light was on. He goes, listen, I don't believe there is a God. But if he turns the light off right now, I'll believe in him. 
And like God, does, he's not tempted like that, right? You can't tempt God. It doesn't work that way. You, you can't make deals with God. God is God, right? Anyway, Martha decides to kind of be a little bit manipulative here and says, listen, the master's asking for you. So, so you see something also that happened. When Mary showed up, what did she do? Mary hit her knees and worshiped. Isn't that interesting? They both said the same thing. Martha shows up and says, if you'd, if you'd have just been here, if you'd have been here, I wouldn't be in this mess. Martha shows up and worships him, falls at his feet and said, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. You see the difference? And I want to challenge you this morning that when you're in a situation in your life where the timing doesn't match up, where you don't feel like God's answering your prayers, where you don't understand what's going on, he's still worthy to be worshiped. Don't try to make deals with God. Don't try to manipulate the situation. And you know, sometimes what we do is we think, well, if this person just prays for me, or if I just call this person, they're really powerful in prayer. And you know, there's nothing wrong with having people pray for you. It's biblical. However, you're not going to manipulate God into getting an answer. Amen? You're not going to manipulate God into getting an answer. God is worthy to be worshipped no matter if he answers the way you think he needs to answer or not. The best response is always to hit your knees before God and say, man, I don't understand the situation because that's what Mary did. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. I don't understand it. I'm grieving. I'm hurting. I'm crying. I don't understand it. But you're still God and you're still worthy to be worshipped. Amen? Because it changes our hearts. Again, our flesh dies and our faith is built. Mary took the position of worship and honor, even in her confusion and hurt. God's timing is different than ours. Will you run to him and bow at his feet even when you're confused, frustrated, or hurting? (laughs) He was moved by her worship and her pain. You see, he relates to our pain and our hurts, even when he knows he's going to answer the prayers. Don't you love those kinds of friends in your life that they just, they're with you? They may be able to fix it. They may not be able to fix it, but they're just with you. See, Jesus is that kind of friend. Amen? You ever experienced that when you're going through something and, man, you just know Jesus is there with you? He's there with you. He loves you. He cares. Even though he's the answer to everything that could possibly happen, he still cares about your situation. So they go to the tomb, and in verse 38 through, through 44, it says this. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone laid against the, the face of it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Here's Martha again. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. Thanks, Martha. Captain Obvious. If you're reading the King James, it'll say, he stinketh. He's been dead four days. Dude's going to stink. So Martha just had to point that out. Because you know, the, the Son of God doesn't know things like that. You, you know the audacity? We do that too. I mean, you, listen, we, we laugh at this. But there's times when God says, you know, like he's about to do something big in your life and you remind him why it's probably not a good idea. Like, like you, you know, maybe he puts somebody in your heart. I've had this before where he put somebody in my heart to pray for him like, um, like, to, that they would come to know him. And I, and I remind him that they're, like, in really bad shape. <laughs> like, obviously, Rob. Um, that's why I want you to pray for them. 
You know what I mean? Like, I've done that. I remember one guy in particular, he, like, did, he, he, was, he was addicted to meth. And I'm like, but God, I, it's really hard to get off meth. <laughs> what? what? Like, like, salvation isn't, like, what? Like, it didn't make any sense. And he ended up getting saved, and it was really cool. But um, anyway, so Mary's like, um, by this time, there's going to be an odor. For he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So he's like, Martha, okay, hang with me here a minute. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Isn't that amazing, too? It's not a real eloquent thing. I mean, he's just like praise to God, like practically, right? And then he has the audacity to say, I'm saying this out loud so that you all believe, right? I mean, this is so good. You can't make it up. And, uh, but on account of the people standing here, I, I'm going to say this out loud. And so when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with, with linen strips, his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I mean, come on now. Dude been dead four days. And... Some theologians believe that he had to say it by name because if he would have just said, come forth, then all the dead people around would have come out of the grave. I don't know, but Jesus does have that power, right? But, but get this. Some, some translations also say that when he went up to the tomb, that, that he groaned in the spirit and was, it was troubled. So like he intently groaned. In the, the, in the ancient Greek, Greek, this phrase literally means he snorted like a horse, implying anger and in, indignation. So, how many of you have been around an angry horse? A few of you, yeah. They're like, right? And some of you think they neigh. They don't neigh when they're mad, right? They go, right? And I could just see, like, why did Jesus do this? Why is it even in the scripture? Why? Because Jesus walks up to the tomb, and after all the grief that had happened, after all of the doubt that had happened, after his friend being dead, he's like, I did not design death, right? Humans are not designed to deal with death. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to conquer death. He knows that just in a short time, he's going to be in Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified, right? So I know what's going on in his mind. I feel like I know what's going on in his mind. As he walks up the tomb, and he's like, ah, death. Like, I don't like this. I don't like it when people have to grieve. I don't like it that the fact is messing up their life. I don't like this. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring it out of the tomb. And he's like, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, oh my gosh, here comes Lazarus. Lazarus, come here, bro. Because this is probably the most impactful part of this whole, this whole story to me. Come on, Laz. I know you've been in there four days, bro. You got a little stiff going on. A little rigamorgus. Okay, but here, here, I did this for, on purpose. I know it looks corny. But I'm doing it on purpose. I'm being corny on purpose. Is that okay? You can be corny if you're corny on purpose. If you don't know it's corny and you do it, then it's just corny. See, Jesus can bring dead things back to life. Right? Um, but here's the deal, and here's the most impactful part of this whole story to me, is that Jesus can bring dead things back to life, but he didn't unwrap him. And you might think, well, that's just, well, it's just what it is. No, it's not just what it is. That if, if God 
can bring dead things back to life, he can definitely, he could have taken the grave cloth off, right? It wasn't too big of a deal for him to do that. See, God will do what only he can do, and he expects you to do your part. He expects us to do our part. See, God can and will take away your sin, and then you need others to help you walk it out. God could have done it, but he didn't on purpose. God wants us to help each other. It is his design that we need each other. You're not the church as an individual. You are a believer, and you could maybe be a Christian by yourself, but you're not the church by yourself. So the reason that God did this, the reason that he said um, unwrap him, have other people unwrap him, is because he was trying to teach us that in this life, when we come back to life, when we, when we get new life, that we're going to need other people to help us unwrap the old life. See, because he's been dead four days, and so he stinketh, right? So there's still a little odor. So these grave cloths, they stink, And Jesus is like, I don't want you walking around in old grave cloths that stink. I brought you out of the grave, right? But how many of you and me sometimes in my life, we still walk around with the old life a little bit attached. And we have a little too much pride to walk up to someone else and say, listen, I need some help. But the Bible says, confess your faults one to another that you might be what? Stuck in your sin. Y'all read your Bible? Confess your faults one to another that what? You might be healed. It says, come in the church, come and have elders lay hands on you that you might be healed. So this, this is all in line with what God's instructions are to us. And, and the grave cloth represents so many things in our lives. It's like the old life, right? The old sin life, the death, the addictions, the lust, the unforgiveness, maybe a broken marriage, pride, loneliness, depression, guilt, shame, dead dreams. And the list goes on and on and on. Lazarus was set free from the grave, but he still wasn't set free from the grave cloth. He needed people. Jesus, the Son of God, was standing there like he's, he's here today. He's in your life, and he says, listen, I've given you new life. I've set you free. Now, other people are going to help you remove the grave cloth. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Like, do you get the idea that we can't do this alone? Like, God does the work. He brings us. He gives us new life. He'll, he'll bring things that are dead back to life. But then he says, I want you to rely on other people now as well. You need it. It's his design. So this guy's probably ready to get out of some grave cloths. Do we have anybody that could help him because he can't get unwrapped? Do we have any, I'm serious. Like, I mean, do you care about this guy? Do you want to see his old life? Anybody? Jason, do you want to see him set free? Do you want to see him? Anyone else want to see him set free? Come on, bro. Let's get him out. And you know, sometimes taking off the grave cloth is a little bit of work. You know, every Thursday morning at 6.30, we meet here as a group of men. We call it heroes. And we help each other through this spiritual journey called life. I bet it is. Well, you were in the tomb, dude. Don't complain. You're alive. If you'd have been Lazarus, it would have been a lot worse. Come on now, give him a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, let me see that. Let me see that. Thank you, guys. So, like, once you come out of the tomb, because if you're born again, you've been given new life. The old life, this stuff, should no longer be on your life. I know when I gave my life to Christ on June 9th, 1996, there was some stuff that needed to be taken off my life. And it took me some time. But I'm so thankful that other men and 
women in my life cared for me enough to help me get rid of some stuff. They prayed like crazy. You know, you don't stop praying for somebody just after they get saved. It's not a one and done kind of a deal. Your salvation is, your salvation is set. But removing this grave cloth, you see, what kind of life would Laz had if he'd have just, he's out of the tomb and everybody celebrated and they just forgot to help him? Like, there's no victory in that, is there? I mean, yeah, he's alive, but I don't know about you. I don't want to walk around in the old stuff that I had in my life. The problem is sometimes I, I take it and I get it and I, I, I get rid of it. And I've been serving him since, I can say it, since 96. And every now and then there's this tendency to grab something and just go, man, that wasn't so bad. And I'm probably the only one, huh? But luckily I've got some brothers um, and a great wife that if I do that, they'll say, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. That's, that kind of smells like the grave. You're supposed to have the favor of God smell. How about we get rid of that, you know? And why, why is it sometimes we try to keep that grave cloth just within reach too? Anybody hear me this morning? Like, you need to get set free. And it doesn't matter if, if you've been serving Christ for 20 years or maybe you don't even know him in this place yet. We still need to take that stuff off. We need to constantly be in a process of becoming more like Christ and less like the old person. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.